The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look at the 20 car with Ryan Priest. This guy can win races. This is what I've done since I was six years old, and now I finally have that opportunity that I've pretty much been trying to get for 20 years. The 19 car spins. Caution is out. The next time they come by, guess what? That's car overtime. And Ryan Priest came on the radio and said, now this is more my game. You just wait and see. Ryan Priest fires off the 20, trying to win at Iowa. Ryan Priest said, fate will tell me if I'm meant to do this at a bigger level. Fate has decided Ryan Priest is going to win his first career win. You bet on yourself, Ryan, and you won. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I just, man, I got to thank everybody. Man, I am so lost of words right now. I don't even know what to say. This is, <laughs> this is what emotion is, I can tell you that. Nothing's going to be today. A special guest in the studio today. One of the biggest stories from the weekend <laughs> was the that? Xfinity Series win by this yeah! man right here, Ryan Priest yeah. at Iowa. He bet on himself. He won big. He's with us today on NASCAR America. Carol Amano, Parker Kligerman with you as well. And our Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett, is with us from Charlotte as well. I love watching that video, Ryan, because of the emotion at the end. Mm -hmm. You essentially uh -huh. decided. It's embarrassing? No, no, it's all good. It's good to see, it's though, great. right? Yeah, absolutely. You, for, for the people at home who may not know that much about you right now, they're going to learn a lot more over the next hour. But essentially what you did was put all of your eggs into these two races. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going for it in the Xfinity Series. I gather my sponsorship together, and it paid off with a runner-up finish and a win. I just wonder what what your life has been like since uh well it was a lot of fun first off i want to say it's a lot of fun being here and watching it on the tvs and talking <laughs> with you guys it's better than being on my couch watching it at home so uh but as far as that goes my life has pretty much been between north carolina sunday and monday uh getting all the congrats texts the twitter everything it's been great but then it was back to work on Tuesday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and today, I was up until I came here, I've been working on my modified, getting ready to race at uh, Safford Motor Speedway here tomorrow night, which anybody in this New England-based area, I definitely would say, hey, you got to come out, and hopefully we can get Parker in a modified sometimes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no one wants it. to see that. I no, love no, no. it. Put him on leave it to professional right here. Putting him on the spot. Exactly. DJ, it was such a great moment. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, I, speaking of sitting on your couch, that's what I was doing Saturday afternoon, watching you perform and obviously knowing your story there. I, I know that you put everything into these two races, and we've seen a lot of drivers come along and put themselves in a position or try to do that, but no one has ever succeeded the way that you have with a second and then their first career win in the Xfinity Series. I want to go to those last couple of restarts, though. I, my hands were sweating because I was sitting there pulling for you, not against anyone else, but uh, can you tell me what was going through your mind uh, as you had to continually make good restarts and then try to hold on at the end? Well, to be honest with you, I think that had a lot to do with my short track experience. Um, I was actually all in favor of those cautions the last uh, last 20 laps because it helped me because my car was getting freer and Kyle Benjamin was coming really strong. So 
Uh, all those restarts were just winding laps down for me, and, and I knew uh, for two, two, three laps and, and all that that I could hopefully hold them off, and I was you know really lucky to do that, and we raced clean and got to uh, victory lane. That was cool. And one big thing that you've done since you've had this opportunity is kind of make it clear to other short track racers out there that this is possible. The opportunity, yeah. If you get the opportunity, you can go out there and win. I want fans to see your hands, to show them what a true short track racer looks like. Yeah, These I hands mean, are beat up. Yeah, they have scars them. on yeah. them all over because you've got dirt oh, on yeah. your, grease you on go. your nails because you work on your own race cars <laughs> day in and day out. Yeah. And then to get this opportunity, go to the second highest level in NASCAR and win, this is for the short track racers out there. Have they, have they come out and supported you and, and reached out? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, definitely. I, I know I had to wash my hands a couple times because I felt a little <laughs> embarrassed that it. they were dirty. But, um, yeah, I mean, I look at websites across this country and follow short track races. So guys like Bubba Pollard and Keith Rocco, Ted Christopher, I mean, there's so many people, Lee Pulliam, people that a lot of people that are watching right now might not even know. So to be able to go out at New Hampshire, finish second, to win at Iowa, um, to work on my race cars and understand them and, and want to make myself better as a racer, this is really one for everybody in the short track racing community that, you know, they, they aspire to be at this level, but they may not get a chance. Well, guess what? Just work hard, keep trying to win races, and the dream might just come true. Don't you be embarrassed. That right? Parker's hands are well manicured now. I'm that sure he's they are. Analyst. Well, Don't. Probably have something going put these on the nails. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, where's the checkered flag? Uh, I don't, well, I had to take it back from my buddy because, uh, I actually had put it out in front of my condo, you know, when I hung it, my wife walked in, looked at me like I was nuts. <laughs> and, uh, and then, so I, I go clean up, taking a shower. I walk out of my shower and my best man at my wedding actually drove a half hour up to my condo, <laughs> took a picture of it, stole it and made me go out to a restaurant to get it back. So <laughs> we went out and celebrated. It was a, it was a good time. Brandon Russick, thanks for uh, taking my flag and Matt Gallo. Oh man. That's awesome. There, I love been, it. there have been so many drivers who have offered their congratulations. This was one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story of the weekend, truly. I mean, to accomplish what you accomplished. Mm -hmm. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was among those who offered his thoughts. Let's hear what he had to say. So Ryan, great kid, hard worker, uh, modified guy. He went all in, basically pushed all his chips in for two races. And man, what a payoff. You know, I think it's even better that he won at Iowa because at New Hampshire, they, the mods run there. And if he wins, you know, people would say, yeah, well, you know, he knows the track. Uh, he goes to Iowa, a track that's uh, really slick, hard to get a hold of, a place that I don't think he has a ton of time at aside from the races he ran there in Xfinity Series. And he goes out and wins. I mean, obviously, he's in a great car, but... You still got to drive. You got to make great decisions. You got to get it on off pit road. You got to have great restarts. I mean, he did a great job. But I do think that that moves Ryan up the list toward the top of the list of eligible drivers. That if a team, you know, does find the funding, that they would be calling him up. Good for Ryan. I hope we see more of him. I like his attitude. He's super, super confident. But I like his attitude. He's uh, we're, we text back and forth a little bit, and kids definitely got what it takes. You know, he he markets markets himself. So I think he'd be pretty good addition to. Uh, to any of the NASCAR top three series, truck, Xfinity, or Cup. There are a lot of drivers out there that would like to have Dale Earnhardt Jr. offering their congratulations and thoughts on a win like this. Mm -hmm. uh, but a slightly embarrassing moment for you in the mm -hmm. celebration there when you were watching the video. Could have gone very, very wrong. Ah, yeah, I could have. Um, so I thought I was being cool going on the backstretch, waving <laughs> at the fans, and uh, I think the right rear tire popped on me, and I 
It probably didn't, but I kind of spun out there on the backstretch, and that's why you it took that so long. always have excuse as a driver. That was good. You, you that's right. That. Yeah, that's the definitely. first thing. That is the, that's on the number one thing on the list. Always know? having excuses. You always have your friends and your family who have been with you over your entire journey congratulating you. Oh, there it is. Yep, again. Yeah, there it is. Yep. But, I think you had a couple feet. You're good. Yeah, that's, we were, that's we were close, but it was good. But yep. to have other drivers, drivers in the Cup Series, drivers in the Xfinity Series, recognize what you did, offer their thoughts on what you did, that just must mean so much to you. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, you know, Ryan Newman, who's always been a huge part of my career with uh, input and everything, he texted me before the race, you know, hey, good luck, man, don't mess it up. Like, joking around, because he's a, he's a great guy. Well, after the race, he said, well, you didn't mess it up. And uh, that was that was really cool. Uh, Dale Jr., um, just a lot of people. Tommy Baldwin's been a huge part of my career also. He's, he's the one who actually first got me in an Xfinity car in 2013. And... Um, just really thankful for everybody's input and all the congrats tweets. A lot of, I'm buddies with a lot of people in the Xfinity series, like Ryan Reed and Justin Allgaier and just people like that. So it's it means a lot. Uh, it means a lot to my family, and most of all, it means a lot to the people surround me, my team owners and uh, my sponsors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Ryan, yeah, it was in New Hampshire that, that in 2013 that I first met you and talked with you. You were driving for Tommy Baldwin. You did a great job in that car. Uh, we saw you going to Johnny Davis and do well. So now you've got two Dales on your side because along with Dale Jr., I'm a big fan too. I want to see you get that opportunity. But here's the unfortunate side of our sport. Even with what you've gone out there and done, there are no guarantees that that ride, uh, that call is going to come. Have you talked to anyone since that happened? I know it's only been a short few days, but have uh, opportunities started to come your way, you think? Um, you know, it, it's hard to say. Uh, we've, we've, people have reached out and everything. It's been great. But um, So one thing I will say is since our win came, there's been partners that have come on to help us to do another race. And fortunately, we've come up with some funding to do Kentucky here with uh, the number 20 at, with Joe Gibbs Racing. So I'm really looking forward to that and, and um, you know, running strong and just trying to keep, keep this whole thing going. And you mentioned that you get that opportunity in the 20 car, one you didn't think you were going to have going into this situation. Does the mentality change at all now that you've got the win? Does it, is there any sort of thought process? Okay, do I, how do I build on this? You, you heard Dale Jr. mention you market yourself. You're great at doing that. How do you market now that you have this another opportunity in this 20 car? Trying to win races. That's what got me here to this point. And I know Dale said I'm very confident. Well, um, I'm confident because I feel like I have to be. In order to sell myself, I have to show people that I can win races. And anything short of that, I mean, other than finishing second to Kyle Busch or a cup guy, is almost a disappointment in a way because somebody in my position, we have to win races to perform in order for myself to get with a sponsor that's willing to, to you know, join a Joe Gibbs Racing or a Penske or a, or a Ganassi or something of that caliber. You just have to be able to pull it together and build build a uh, a partnership. All right, so I know your your modified schedule is, is still pretty hectic, and you're still in the battle for the championship. But in spite of missing a race uh, for your wedding this year, <laughs> so congratulations Thank on you. that. But uh, as you look to the future and, and what you want to do, uh, and, and what chances might you take or can take from, from this point? Uh, and is your modified schedule something that you do have that to fall back on? Well, one thing I'll say is I'm very lucky to drive and work for Eddie and Connie Partridge out in Long Island. Um, they give me a lot of slack when it comes to things. So obviously missing a race at Langley Speedway on May 13th 
Well, I'm also going to be missing a Modified Tour event at New Hampshire, so I'm sure a lot of Modified people are pretty happy right now, um, <laughs> which I'll also say right now. So we have John McKennedy, who's a Modified driver out here. He's going to be filling in for me, which I'm looking forward to because he deserves an opportunity in a great race car, just like I did at one point. So um, just I, like I said, uh, I race for a lot of great people. I'm very lucky to be surrounded by my sponsors, my family, my wife, my friends, and... Um, I'm just going to go at Kentucky and attack it like I did at Iowa. A lot of things we're hearing from the first time. Congratulations on that next opportunity. That's fantastic news with all that you accomplished. Okay, so we let the internet know that you were here. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. That's whenever, dangerous. Whenever you let the internet know, <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. But we have a couple questions. Um, let's pull up some tweets. We've asked people to use the hashtag AskPriest. You can also find us on NASCAR America. So first question, NASCARly, we love her. Who's your favorite driver growing up? Who was my favorite driver? Well, it was actually Dave Steele. He's not a NASCAR driver. Uh, he was actually a USAC uh, midget sprint car driver. For sure. yep, yep. Of course you know that. So he was a huge idol of mine, and I was really uh, sad when he passed away early this year. But um, my favorite NASCAR driver, I had so many different ones. I've had Mark Martin, Casey Kane, uh, Dale Earnhardt, um, Kevin Harvick. Actually, I was a huge Kevin Harvick fan, so I have a funny story about that. I was please, fortunate please enough. Please tell. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm all ears. I was fortunate enough, actually, at Homestead, Miami. I was in a cup race, uh, racing with Premium Motorsports through Tommy Baldwin Racing uh, back in 2015. And um, Kevin Harvick walked into the bathroom next to me, and I'm racing in the same race, but I was totally starstruck, and I couldn't get a word out, and it was just, it was really interesting. So <laughs> That's it was good. Fun. It what didn't happen in the bathroom, because that's normally not a great place. Yeah, no, not, that not first next introduction. to each other. No, we no. weren't next to each other. But, uh, he didn't offer to shake his hand. Before. Okay, no, that's good. No. You know what? It's a great time to take a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where we're heading now. Uh, coming up, Brian's going to break down those final laps a little bit further at Iowa. He's going to tell us just what was going through his mind as he approached a checkered flag and how the strategy ultimately played to his advantage. We're also going to reveal this week's nominees for our NBC Pit Crew All-Stars, one of which came to NASCAR after serving aboard a naval aircraft carrier. And Pete Pistoni of Sirius XM NASCAR Radio joining the program to look at some of the biggest storylines surrounding this weekend's race at Watkins Glen. That's all next. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. All rise August 11th as Premier League mornings return. The new season begins August 11th. That's on NBC and NBCSN. You forgot one thing this morning. What was that? Oh, uh, my racing shoes. I had to go buy another <laughs> pair of racing shoes. Yep. KP, the man had to dive into his own credit card to go buy racing <laughs> shoes, but he did it, right? Yeah, I had to open up a credit card, oh, but yeah. Oh, oh wait, my no, no, gosh. Wait, wait. You didn't have a credit card to do that with? Oh, uh, we'll leave that alone, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I used my wife's credit card. Oh, there you go. You know, I love this for two reasons. The first oh, being, normally the women get the bad rap for using the husband's credit card. Nope. What, what exactly happened here? Uh, I don't have a credit card, so I had to use my <laughs> wife's. That was a little embarrassing, yeah, but it's all right. I got a pair of shoes out of it. Where was the driver checklist? It's like, you know, you, you're leaving the house, you're like helmet, yeah. suit, gloves, shoes. You just didn't get down the checklist. Nope. I got the socks part. I just got the socks, shoes. at least. Yeah. That's good. Those are harder to find. Yeah, all right, they you, are. 
you were able to get some shoes mm -hmm. and uh, you were able to get the victory. So let's break down a little bit further how you won the race. So three restarts here at the very end. Parker, kind of walk us through. This is with seven to go. Seven to go. And you got to hold off Brian Scott up there in that three car right now. And we were just talking about this. Was your spotter telling you he was coming or you look in the mirror? Oh, yeah. Brandon Lines is actually my spotter. He did a great job here. He said uh, he was saying Kyle's running the bottom and Brandon Scott was uh, pushing me. Brian Scott, I'm sorry. So um, right here, I was like, ah, you know what? I just got to hold them down because the outside was the preferred line at the point. So, um, you know, right here, I, I cleared them and was starting to get going. The tires were starting to fire off, and I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's try and get away from Normally, here. I don't like to see a car go from the bottom three lanes up. That looks a little tight to me. Were you struggling a little bit tight? Or? I, was, I was struggling with everything at that point. Um, I, I used the tires up pretty good, I guess, trying to get away there when we first went green, but... Uh, lucky enough, clean air means a little bit here, and uh, I was able to start pulling away. But one thing I will say, uh, I think a caution comes out here in about two laps, and I was happy to see that because uh, Kyle Benjamin was actually really good uh, getting into the corner and off the corner, and he seemed like he was going to start making an attack at me. So I was, uh, you'll see here shortly. And you're on such old tires right here. I mean, these restarts is where eventually you see the 19 is going to end up getting sideways. But mm -hmm. you're on such old tires, you're using the top lane, and you've got that Kyle Benjamin right there, he's going the low lane. Did you feel like you could hold him off if you just kept pinching him, or was this you thought like you might be a sitting duck at this point? Well, as soon as well, there we go. Well, as soon as Kyle, as you saw right there, started moving back to the top, I was a little nervous because that was somewhere where I wasn't able to run. I could hold him off being and here we go, we're on the overtime. Um, this was a lot more difficult, I think, than people actually know. So he was at my left rear right here, and, and the air is getting off it, and he's on it, and, and it was just uh, it was crazy. Just right there, to... I thought you two were wrecking. Yeah, that yeah. whole time, I couldn't believe you didn't get together right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I'm, we're lucky that we didn't. You know, he's a good driver, and he knew what he was doing, and I, I knew what I was doing, and we just had a good race there for the end for the fans. And I would say this is one of the cleanest examples of two young drivers and great equipment that are staring their first win, a very important win. He's not in a very much different position than you are, just with a couple opportunities in that car this year. Yep. And here he is racing as clean as possible. I mean, that shows you guys have a lot of respect. I just want to take it back there. Going through one and two, <laughs> yeah. that's where Ryan Newman said I almost messed up. You almost lost it? <laughs> yeah, but um, so yeah, this is, this is pretty much where I felt like I just did it. You know what I mean? I was like, oh my God, I can't see the checkered. Oh, there it is. I'm like, oh, it was just insane. It was, uh, it was a day I'll never forget, you know? Was it just until that very last bit that you were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to well, me? Well, to be honest with you, when I came off of turn four, I couldn't remember if it was the white flag or the checkered flag. <laughs> so I was a little nervous at that point. But, yeah, I, uh, when I got to do the donuts and the burnout and everything, that was like, okay, this is the day I've always dreamed about. It was a dream day. You didn't have any cup drivers getting in your way. Um, but that's <laughs> been an issue recently. NASCAR has recently shortened the number of races that cup drivers with five-plus years of experience can race in next year from 10 to 7. Here's what Ryan Blaney said about some of the limitations that we've been talking about. I get that we have to bring newer kids in, uh, younger drivers, and, and it's, it's tough to do that when you have a bunch of cup drivers running every single race. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like you have to have a healthy balance of cup drivers because that's a lot of the sponsorship driven in those series is they want a, a, a cup driver in those cars. And um, I don't think you can come out completely, but I think if you do limit it, uh, I feel like it'd be better off to give younger drivers trying to break into a sport a chance uh, with good cars. Look at Ryan Priest. You know, Ryan Priest won the Iowa race in the 20 car uh, that's usually occupied by Eric Jones or another cup driver. Uh, he would never have gotten that shot, I don't think, if they cut the races back. So that is a good instance in where that worked out to where someone like that who's worked really hard, gets a great opportunity and capitalized on it. Uh, I feel like that is uh, a
This is such a difficult issue, Ryan. It's been talked about time and time again in the sport. You just heard Brian Blaney mention your situation. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about this topic and cup drivers being involved in the Xfinity Series? Well, somebody like myself, um, I think it's kind of like a double-edged sword because I want to race with the Kyle Bushes. I want to race with the Kyle Larsons, and I want to race with the Brad Keselowskis and the Ryan Blaney's and Joey Logano's. But the problem is for somebody like myself is trying to get into a race car that they're going to be in. So, you know, I want to race with them, but at the same time, having them out of some races is going to help somebody like myself or a short tracker that might not get that opportunity. It might open up an opportunity. So, um, you know, I think the number right now is, is a good number for, for people like me. But um, I definitely don't think we should ever take cup drivers completely out because I think it's, you know, if I go and beat those guys a couple times, like Kevin Harvick said, it could be a ticket to getting to a Sunday race. So, um, I mean, that's really what I think on it. And you know all too well, being in a series that doesn't have cup drivers in it, that winning that series, although it's, you know, built your career and gotten you to this point and gotten you opportunity, it is not the same level of attention as when sometimes Ryan Newman comes and runs in the modified series. And therefore, you get those extra eyes on it. And that's what I think we all struggle with, is that you're trying to get those eyes as a young driver, to go out and win in front of all those eyes, but to get those eyes, sometimes you need a cup driver that we're seeing. Very true. You know what I mean? Ryan Newman started racing a modified uh, probably back in 2012 or somewhere around there, or 2010, maybe it was even earlier. But as soon as he started running modifieds, that's when all the attention started coming to the modifieds at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And that's really helped. So if, if somebody goes and beats Ryan Newman, even though it's a different car, it's a big deal. So... Um, it's just like you said, we need we need that attention. You yeah. mentioned Modifieds. We're going to learn a lot more about your career in Modifieds coming up and how you made your way up in the sport. Also, Pete Pistoni of Sirius XM NASCAR Radio joining us to talk about NASCAR's decision to move that overtime line to start-finish line. How's that going to affect racing this weekend at the Glen? We'll have that conversation next. for the pit crew all-stars. Our first nominee this week is veteran tire carrier Ethan Marquette of the 37 team. Diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 3, Marquette now helps young children learn how to live with the disease by volunteering with the American Diabetes Association. Mason Jennings is a tire engineer at Hendrick Motorsports. He works with the 24 team and Chase Elliott, and Jennings joined the 24 team last year, just missing out working with his hero, Jeff Gordon. His hobbies include cheering for the Chicago Cubs, wakeboarding, and restoring old Volkswagen buses. Okay, and our final nominee for this week is Tony Ramirez, who works as a tire specialist with Levine Family Racing and Michael McDowell. Before coming to NASCAR, Tony served four years in the Navy, working with catapults on an aircraft carrier. And don't forget, we are going to reveal this year's pit crew all-star team this November during championship weekend at Miami. 
It is overdrive night on NBCSN tonight. All the motorsports that you can handle, and it all starts at 8 p.m. Eastern with Grudge Race, including a brand new episode at 9 p.m. Eastern. Real racers with long-standing grudges settling their differences on the track, and pride is on the line. As we welcome in the host of Grudge Race, Willie B. Willie, I got to tell you, I love the premise of this show. People that hate each other racing each other for payback. What can you tell us about the show that makes it so unique and different if someone has hasn't caught it yet. You know, it's really funny because there's always a great backstory that brings these guys together on the show. And a common interest is cars, right? They all love racing and enjoying it. But the backstories, they tend to go from times they were in high school, uh, you know, stories that have developed because one, you know, person defeated one of their friends on the track or smack talk or social media talk. And we sort of bring all that lip service out of the social media world and, you know, he said, she said world and put it on the track and give them a chance to really duke it out. I've seen a lot of cool stuff about what happens to those who are on the losing <laughs> end of this. Give us your best story uh, of a loser that's come out on the end of a grudge race. Well, we've had actual trophies be removed from other individuals' car, right, via plasma cutter. So they'll bet right at the beginning of the, of the show what they want to do as far as torture or what the other guy, you know, they feel like they owe him, be it money or things like that. So this season we have some really great ones. We have one guy that had over 200 pairs of shoes, and his whole deal was – he wants the other guy's shoes. So as the racers, they go and they battle it out. It's a hard-fought battle. And at the end of it, there's money that changes hands. There's other embarrassing things. But the most hysterical thing is he makes this other opponent walk the quarter mile barefoot, basically, and is taunting him the whole time. Are there some specific racers that we should keep an eye out on for the season? I know you said most of these people coming in have really great stories. Yeah. Um, the one tonight, for example, would be great. The White Rhino is a pretty infamous truck. In the street racing world, he's known all over. He's one of the faster trucks you'll ever find in this country uh, and, you know, for that matter, the whole racing scene. He's he's notable in the sense that he's gained a lot of popularity. He comes from a small town. Well, his opponent happens to be from the same small town. And the guy that drives the White Rhino has never given him an ounce of attention and shrugged him off. And apparently they used to be friends. Well, you'll see a little ego come out on this. And the little guy, Cody, tonight really wants to take a shot at the white rhino. You really ought to watch what happens, how it plays out, and who goes home a little bit more embarrassed than the other one. I've been very impressed uh, with the amount of trash talk that I have seen on your show. <laughs> how do you think a NASCAR driver would do in a grudge race? They do know how to talk. Oh. I think they would do awesome. I, I've been begging. If I can get a couple of the guys, you know, I'm from Denver. So Martin Truex, the furniture row guys, we love out here. You know, if I could put him in one of our light cars along with a, another car identical to it, oh, I'm sure there would be there would be phenomenal matchups. I would love to see. So yeah, that would be that would be awesome. I think they would do great because you hear them at the end of the races. They're always hyped up on emotion, energy, charge, pride, and so forth. They do great. Those guys are always talking. I would love to see Martin Truex Jr. steal somebody's tires or spray paint yes. their truck or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great. Yeah, right? Uh, all right, Willie uh, B., thanks so much for being with us. And you can catch Grudge Race you. tonight. Yep, no problem. Starting at 9 p.m. Eastern, back-to-back -back episodes on NBCSN. You got it. And coming up, oh, man, see what happens when I leave the touchscreen. Ryan's going to discuss his racing routes on the short tracks of New England. That's next when we come back. Parker, put the gas can down.
Hey NASCAR fans, listen up. This is Kyle Larson here with the Cup Stack Challenge. If you think your stacking skills are as good as mine, get ready to go head to head with me. So for this challenge, you're gonna need 10 uh, plastic cups stacked on a uh, empty flat surface. A kitchen table worked fine, and then you just you just go. Once you go, you uh, try and get four on the bottom, and then you you know you go three, two, one, and break it back down as quick as you can, and game over. Right, I'm here with Julian. We're getting this cup stack challenge going. You ready? Go. NASCAR fans, we're all finished here. Time to beat is a 7.6 second time. So if you think you can do it, go ahead and try. Ask your mom or dad to help you create and share your video now on their social media. You only have a few days to participate. And be sure to tag it with hashtag KidsDriveNASCAR and hashtag promotion. I'll be watching, and if I really like your skills, I'll give you a shout out on my social media. Hey, who doesn't love a shout out? Kyle Larson, the man of many talents. If you think you can beat his time, again, just submit your challenge. Use the hashtag KidsDriveNASCAR. You can also visit AccelerationNation.com backslash kids versus driver. So since we have three drivers on the program today, we decided to go drivers only. We're going to learn a little bit more about Ryan and his roots in racing. Parker, let's go over to you. What you got? Yeah, Caroline. Well, you're running the Modified this weekend. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of your day job. And so I'm kind of thinking here as we've been talking throughout the show and everything, what is the day-to-day for a modified racer? I kind of know as a NASCAR driver, what is a modified racer's day-to-day? We've talked about you work on the car. What's it like that being your day job? Uh, prepping the race car. 8 a.m. is typically when I get to the race shop, and then I'm there from if it's an easy day or, or the night before a race and everything's ready, I'll leave at 5. Or if it's a night where I have to be there till 11 o'clock, that's what I'll have to do. Or even there's been some all-nighters before. But, um, you know, the way my racing schedule's been, I've been running two to three nights a week, so it's been pretty hectic. You're, you're getting done with one race, pulling it out of the trailer, repacking wheel bearings, changing gears, uh, servicing the motor, everything in between to go to the next one. So, um, you know, I'm really, really looking forward to getting over to Stafford Motor Speedway tomorrow night. If you're in the New England-based area, come on, check us out. It's the Wheel and Modified Tour. Definitely looking forward to it. And like I said, hopefully we can get Parker in a Modified sometime <laughs> soon. We're working yeah. on it throughout the show. Yeah. Yep. DJ? I want to say that. Yeah, I want to show up when Parker's going to race that. Ryan, I've got questions. So you, you talk about working on your car and doing everything there. I have a two-part question. First one, how many engineers do you have at your race shop? Oh, you're looking at them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I thought. So yeah. then you, went, you go drive for Joe Gibbs Racing, who has a great organization. What was that like as a driver, really not having to do all of that stuff, but yet talk to the engineers, and that's the way things got done? Well, our engineers were Trent and Ryan. I, I know their first names, and they were great guys. Uh, so I actually wanted to be there when they were pulling the car down and, and kind of learn about all this stuff just because I am, you know, it's something that I enjoy doing. And um, it was totally different, though. I know why they do it, and I don't because they are <laughs> extremely smart, and they understand physics and everything that it takes to to, to make these cars be, drive as well as they do. So um, it, was, it was insane. You know, it was an experience I'll never forget. You mentioned all the engineering, but that's not how you started in the NASCAR Top 3 Series. I remember back in 2013, you came in the Xfinity Series. Mm-hmm. We raced against each other in that race, and I remember it was a big deal for you to be jumping in that car. When you got that opportunity from Tommy Bowen back in 2013, did you think in your head or any inkling it was going to take maybe this amount of time to get to a car you were winning in? Did you foresee that happening? Was that the plan to get to a car of that caliber, or was it just, here's not opportunity, I'm taking it? 
Well, if anybody that knows me and Tommy, there's never there, we, we try to put a plan together and it's just like, you know, um, definitely not. But, uh, you know, one thing I will say is he's never given up on me and people around me haven't given up on me. So I've been really fortunate in that aspect. But to be able to finally get that opportunity that I've been hoping for, you know, for years and to be able to capitalize on it and get a second in New Hampshire and, and win it, win at Iowa along with a poll. That's a dream come true to me. That is something that no matter what, no one can take away from me. I'm going to have a trophy from Iowa Speedway, a pole award trophy. I mean, it's just, it, it's insane Which you to were, think about. you were shocked to I get, was. by the way, yes, to get I a pole award trophy. Apparently they don't hand those out in the modifieds. No, they, no they, we get plaques, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's uh, Wheelan, I will say Wheelan Engineering, who sponsors the Wheel Modified Tour, they do a tremendous job for everything they do for us. So they, uh, they really do go above and beyond. And if you do win a championship, which I've done, and uh, Doug Kobe knows about, uh, you get nice rings, you get a really great trophy, and, um, you know, they, they go above and beyond. For sure. Hey, Ryan, uh, as impressive as last weekend was at, in getting that first win at Iowa, let's go back a few weeks before at New Hampshire where you were not only running the Xfinity car there for Joe Gibbs Racing and your first time with them, but you had modified races to boot, and you had to be in a modified car right before you got in the Xfinity car. Tell us the difference in, in, in the mindset of driving those cars with such wide tires, a lot of stagger in the rear of all of that, and, and what you have to go through getting yourself mentally prepared to drive. Um, you know, the, the Chris Gabehart, so the crew chief of the 20 car, he can tell you a lot more on what I was doing different in a modified than I was in an Xfinity car. So every time I kept getting out, out of a modified and getting into the Xfinity car, I kept driving it into the corner like I was as if I was in a modified. So, um... Which to let that people know, was, it's just it's a heavier race car, the stock it, yes. car. It doesn't, no. it doesn't want to do all the things the modified does that much Correct. Better. So, uh... That was kind of the thing I had to adjust, and it seemed to adjust, and there's me and Ryan Newman. So, uh, yeah, it was um, it was a great day to, to win that All-Star and finish second in the Wheel of Modified Tour race and then also to finish second in the Xfinity race. But um, just trying to, to not burn that right front off uh, on that Xfinity car was, was the biggest challenge. Definitely. Carolyn, well, as we know, he's really good in Modifieds, and now he's a winner in stock cars. Yeah. The future is bright for Mr. Ryan Priest. Yeah, everybody's got a story about how they got into the sport. They're normally unique, and I know Ryan's involved a lot of hard work. We have another episode, by the way, of Racing Roots uh, airing Sunday night after the cup race at Watkins Glen. This time, it features Kansas native Clint Boyer. So here's a sneak peek of that. Checkered flag and the wins of Clint Boyer. I tell you what, you spend a couple minutes in Kansas, and you realize this is why Dorothy didn't want to leave. Hey, boys. Hey, hey, boys. Hey, hey, hey. Don't, 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 don't. Is that a cow, bro? You want one? Let's all get one. Is this heaven? This is, this is how it all got started. Is it real tubing or muffler tubing? I think it's muffler tubing. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can find them. Oh, there they are. Good job, Cash. You saw baby ones? This is where legends come from. And you can check out the full episode of Racing Roots immediately following our coverage from Watkins Glen Sunday night right here on NBCSN. NBC Sports is your home for all things Watkins Glen this weekend. Our coverage begins tomorrow with Xfinity Series practice on the NBC Sports app. And it all leads up to Sunday's race where a potential playoff spot is on the line. Before we go to break, we have some sad news to report today. The NASCAR world was stunned to learn that former NASCAR team owner Harry Scott Jr. had passed away 
on Wednesday. And in a statement released by Scott's family, it read, in part, Terry's going to be remembered as a loving family man and successful business owner. We ask that everyone please keep Harry's smile, generosity, and essential kindness in your thoughts and prayers. And Harry Scott Jr. was only 51 years old. NASCAR America is brought to you by STP, helping engines run better longer since 1954. Hey, check out SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. It's channel 90. You can get your morning NASCAR fix. And every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern, one of our NBC NASCAR personalities join the Morning Drive crew with Mike Bagley and Pete Pistoni. And Pete's with us today. A lot of news this week, uh, Pete, but the coolest thing has to be Dale Jr.'s throwback scheme from Homestead, uh, similar to the one that he made his Cup Series debut with back in 1999. What do you think? Pretty cool, Carolyn. I thought it was really cool. I was trying to guess what uh, Jr. might roll out there for his final race as a Cup Series driver, and I think he hit it out of the park. It's got that same look to it as he did back, as you said, when he drove for DEI, that number eight car, that red car with the stripes on the side of it. So I think the fans are going to love it for uh, – Dale Jr.'s last ride as a full-time cup uh, driver coming up in November. Hey, Pete, I wondered if he was going to bring this back at some point in time and, and if it might be Darlington or something along the way. But I think it's only fitting uh, with the way that he started out there that this is the paint scheme that we're going to see. And uh, adding one more eight to that uh, only makes that a little better in my mind. I agree with you, Dale. I think it's a really cool-looking race car. And I know a lot of Dale fans are hoping that he's in the mix here and get a win prior to rolling out that car. But... It's going to be a fitting way for him to finally ride off into the sunset as a full-time cup driver. You know, Junior had to say about a few rule changes this week, Pete, including, of course, that controversial overtime line. Drivers seem to be in favor of this change. Do you like the decision that was made? Well, for me, Carolyn, I think I was kind of split, and here's why. I'm happy to see the overtime line go, and I really believe that it was time for NASCAR to make a change. We had thought it was going to come in 2018, though. A couple of NASCAR officials on our show kind of led us to believe it would be in 2018. The feedback that we got in the morning drive on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio from most of our listeners were they were happy to see the line go, but they weren't enamored completely with doing it mid-season. And I think that's been sort of a little bit of a contention that the first 21 races of the year had one set of rules, if you will, and now the last 15 are going to have something a little different. I know it's not completely a rule change, but moving it, I think, has not really set well with everybody. But for me, I'm happy to see the darn thing go away. <laughs> wasn't a fan of it, and I think we need to go back to the way we used to do it. I think that's the best way to go about it. Yeah, I agree with you, Pete. I don't know why that was put in to start with. Putting something on the back straightaway, really where the fans have no idea exactly where that's at if you're there attending the track or attending the race. And then we, had, on the TV side, uh, were always it was always a little confusing in trying to match all of that up as to when the caution lights came on and where it was. Uh, I think this is going to be a lot better. Do you think the things that happened at Indianapolis had something to do with them going ahead and making this change? To me, I think, DJ, that was probably the tipping point. You know, we've had some controversies prior to that. And I think finally the way things all came together that day. And let's also not forget we had darkness at the racetrack. I mean, it was sort of a, a perfect storm, if you will, of everything coming together. And I think that was probably, to me, the reason maybe that they decided to put this in motion a little sooner rather than they had thought. But I'm with you. We've got one line, start-finish line. Let's make it the overtime line. Let's just keep things simple. And I think this will work out fine. So, P, as we look ahead to the weekend now, and you see what happened over the course of the year so far, 10 different winners in the last 10 races. This road course of Watkins Glen 
can be a real wild card. Do you think that we're going to have an 11th different winner this weekend? You know, it's interesting, Carolyn, because I think we've kind of lost sight of the fact that we've had 10 different winners in the last 10 weeks because there's been so many other things going on. We looked at the statistics in the morning drive this morning, and in the last five years, two guys at the top of the list of average finish at Watkins Glen with the best numbers are Joey Logano and A.J. Allmendinger. We all know Joey Logano needs that win because of the one at Richmond and how it was encumbered and it doesn't count. He needs to get into the playoffs. We know that A.J. Allmendinger won at Watkins Glen back in 2014. I don't know, man. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that maybe we will see something along the lines of what you just said, and I don't believe that you should rule out Logano or Allmendinger as maybe being one of those two people that could pull into victory lane on Sunday. Yeah, Pete, I have to agree with you. You look at the numbers and that points right there, and then you just think about it uh, out front as to what this 2017 season has brought us. You have to think that, that that's kind of in the cards here. And I have to ask you, I'm going to go even further than Watkins Land because I think that we're going to see a, a different winner there. But do you think it's possible with the couple of short tracks that we have in these last five races that we might get to 16 winners? You know, I didn't think so a few weeks ago, Dale, but I would, would, would really wouldn't rule it out right now because when you think of the five tracks that are left, none of them is the same as the one prior. We've got all different disciplines, road courses, short tracks, a different short track at Richmond. Darlington is like no other track we have out there. Uh, we all know about Bristol. I, I, I Listen, as a fan, I would think that you would really want something like that to happen, and as someone that's in this sport 24-7 and what I've seen this year, I don't see why that might not happen. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Hey, Pete, along those lines as to all of these winners that we're seeing here, we know that the competition and, and the, the level of the drivers is at its all-time best. Do you think the stage racing has had a, a good uh, hand in that, and will that impact this weekend's race too? I think it's had a huge impact, Dale. And again, for the record, at the beginning of the year, I wasn't exactly sure how this was going to work out. I was a bit skeptical. I think it's been a home run for NASCAR. I think it's made the racing better. And I think it's made teams have to figure out some different strategies and adapt. And here we are going into race 22. And with the scenarios that we have, with a lot of teams now knowing that they've really got to just go for it, and now these stages, plus the people who want those playoff points, that whole mixture to me is going to make Watkins Glen fascinating. I mean, any crew chief we talked to this week on, on the morning drive had a different philosophy of what was going to happen this weekend. I think it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch it play itself out Sunday afternoon. It would be a huge storyline if Joey Logano could get that win, Pete. But maybe the biggest storyline of the weekend, your co-host on the morning drive, Mike Bagley, partnering with us Saturday. We're going to put him to work during the Xfinity race. Have you given him any advice about how to survive with this crew? Well, I, I will say this. If I were you guys at NBC, I'd make way for another Emmy because I think the bagman is going to bring that. That's the kind of style and that's the kind of expertise you're going to get. I think it's going to be fun because the idea is to bring sort of the radio flavor of what the folks at the Motor Racing Network do to the television broadcast and sort of meld those two together. So I, I think it's going to be fun to see what the bagman can do out there and I hope the, the, the viewers and the listeners like it. But again, you know, bagman, the one thing the bagman will know, he'll find the TV compound where lunch is. I guarantee you that, guys. <laughs> He'll definitely be able to find the food. You've set the bar pretty high, Pete, with uh, an Emmy nod for this weekend. I hope your co-host appreciates that. Thanks for being with us. Okay, guys. Have a good weekend. And don't forget to send us your questions for our special guest today, Ryan Priest. You can use the hashtag AskPriest. Final round of questions. Get them in. They're next.
NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year. So this weekend it's a doubleheader on NBCSN from the road course at Watkins Glen. Saturday, 2 Eastern, it's the Xfinity Series, then Sunday, the race for the playoffs, picking up with the Monster Energy Cup Series at 3 Eastern. All right, so we've got a couple more. What's so funny? Go ahead. You already saw our Twitter question? <laughs> I think you saw the name. Throw the, throw the yep. Twitter question up. Uh, so we have one, and it's from Doug Campbell. You know this guy? Oh, uh, yeah, I lived with him last year. He yep. gave you a heads up. Oh. Yeah, okay. he's actually a hometown buddy of mine, too. If you could compare yourself to one actor uh, movie, what and who would they be? Has oh, this been discussed man. already? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, so I watch. So I have a car that I like. You know, I have it on airbags, and and I like to tinker with it. Well, when I lived with him, he would call me Toretto from Fast and Furious. So I'm assuming he wants me to say that I would relate myself to Toretto from Fast and the Furious. Right. Vin Diesel. Yeah. We'll cut Vin the Diesel. tape and send it to him. Yeah, I might need to hit the gym um, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I definitely have to hit the gym a Small lot. Amount. All right, let's but, see if yeah. you know the next guy. Uh, what do we have here for our second Twitter question? Dun dun dun. It's not coming. Uh, all right, here we go. From there Chris Lees. Um, who would win in a heads-up race between you and Parker? Oh, oh definitely him. Yeah? He's actually, yeah. He's the most recent winner. You know no. how to get to victory lane. I'd get all flustered at the end. And he'd nah, I don't know. It would be a tough one for sure, though. I think if we if we put us in the rain on a road course, it would be interesting because you've that, got a lot more experience with that, that than I do, right? Yeah. I yeah you might not want that. I definitely If you're doing that, I'm going to uh, put the odds on myself. And I'm going to put my money on Dale Jarrett all day, every day. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, he wouldn't even have Ryan. to be in the race and he'd win. <laughs> yeah, but and I'm not on Twitter. Well, I have an account, but I don't know how to use it, so I couldn't mm -hmm. send in a question there. So my question goes back to May. You had a modified race at Langley Speedway, which is a place I love to race at. But you had a wedding plan, too. So yeah. you went, you got married. You Now you're a little bit behind in the points with that. But I have to think that that, that got you a lot of brownie points starting out <laughs> in your marriage, right? Yes. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It has. It definitely has. But... um it's been a great it's been a great time. There's nothing better than having somebody next to you that you can lean on and she's always supporting me, which is great. So uh, I'm really lucky to be married to my wife Heather and uh, yeah, hopefully many years to come. So were you keeping tabs on the race? Yeah, yeah. That would be a big no-no with the nuptials. <laughs> well, there's a funny story about that. So we were dancing, everybody's having a great time and um then I'm deciding to run over to a, a table that has the race on, and, and <laughs> so my wife's running over and grabbing me by the arm and pulling me back on the dance floor. So, yeah, yeah, she was, uh, she was chasing me around that whole wedding. Nice. We, we have had <laughs> a true racer keeping up with the race, even at your own wedding. Listen, we That's have right. had the best time having you Definitely. here. Congratulations on all of your success. It's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you. I just really want to thank people, Al Hankey, Albert and Kathy Monez, uh, Eddie and Connie Partridge, Stan from Izzy Construction, uh, Tommy Gratton, uh, Brian Slager, everybody involved to help me get in, the, in that race car. Yeah, it's awesome. a long list of help. That's going to do it for us. A special thank you to our guests today. We're back tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern. Full look ahead to Watkins Glen. That's tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.